everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast, where each week we find out just what makes our Oklahoma songwriters tick. If you've ever been interested in the process of how songs get written, or if you're a songwriter looking for tips and inspiration, then you are in the right place. I do one-on-one interviews with your favorite Oklahoma artists and dig into why and how they write their music. I'm your host, Jared Voluch, and I'm very, very happy you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast, and with you, as always, it's me, Jared Voluch, and today we have a very special guest with us, Justin Eccles. How you doing, man? I'm doing fabulous, man. I'm doing really good. Awesome. Thank you for inviting me to your wonderful home here. Thank you for coming, man. There's nowhere more comfortable to create music than your house. Like, this is the space that I actually started playing music in, believe it or not. It's been that short Wow. It's not been a long time. So this is kind of nostalgic to me. It's, it's awesome. It's like a uh, it's a little sanctuary of music in this room. Yeah. It feels like an entire universe all of its own. It's got an energy, man. It's got. I need to set up a bar in the corner. That's the only thing I'm missing. <laughs> I got tobacco over there, but because of my vocal in the concerts, I can't smoke my pipe. I've got a, I've got a, a I forget that it's an Italian-made wood handmade pipe over there. I can't do it because <laughs> the smoke will mess up my voice and drop me down to a second tenor. So Dude, we can't we can't have we that. We can't have that, man. After what I just uh, recorded <laughs> off of you, we can't we can't mess that voice up. We gotta we gotta hold on to that. Yeah, man. It'll, it'll give me some more grit, but it's gonna <laughs> drop me down a little bit. Uh it's too funny. Man, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just just uh coming off of a busy weekend. I I I it's been like performance Party, party, performance, radio interview. That's been like the. <laughs> that's been the weekend. It's Man. been wild. It's been like, it's bizarre. Like uh, it's kind of it's weird because usually at home I'm not. It's not that big a deal, you know. But um, that's usually kind of a touring thing. So if you're on the road, it's that kind of schedule. But lately. Home, Oklahoma City is turning into that for me. It's like turning into this uh, whirlwind, um, which is fun. It makes it it makes it really fun. It's nice to be it's busy good. around home. It is. It is. You know, and then and then to be able to to move abroad too is is pretty cool. Yeah, and you've been all over the place, all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate, uh, especially early in my career, to to spend a lot of time um, in Europe, uh, in Italy in in uh, Prague, a lot of time there, and, you know, all around Europe um, and New York City. So I, I've been able to, I was able to experience that in, in my infancy kind of when I was studying stuff. Hmm. And I guess, I mean, so far as years are concerned, I, th- I think, you know, I'm an older guy, middle-aged guy, but I'm still kind of a teenager in my music career because I started late. So... Um, but very early in the learning stage, I was able to learn all over the world. That's unusual. Like I learned on the road with famous, very well-established, well-respected jazz musicians. That's a weird way to learn. Like I didn't get college, you know, I didn't get to class. I mean, that sounds like the ultimate, I mean, experience. Uh, so, so, you know, I'd like, I'll never forget when I was in Italy, the first time, first time, um, I just met Wynton Marcellus. He had just asked me to come to New York City. He's, Antonio Chiaca was the director of programming at Jazz at Lincoln Center. And he said, 
You need to be in um, Italy, in Rome, uh, in July. So I show up in Rome. I get off the plane. My first time out of the country, really. I mean, I've been to Canada and Mexico, but not like not like a 14 to 15 hour flight. Right. I get off the plane. I'm wandering around trying to figure out how it is that you navigate international, you know, travel and, and airports and stuff. And a guy finds me, guy finds me, walks up to me. He's got, he's, he's balding and he walks up to me, an older guy. And he says, Hey man, I'm Dave. Are you Justin? And I said, yeah. He said, uh, you're riding with me. Um, he said, he reaches out his hand and he said, Dave Liebman. And I shook his hand. And so he turns around and I'm a, again, I'm like a, an infant in the music business at this point. I just figured out to, that I wanted to do it. And so I'd Google Dave Liebman while following Dave Liebman. That's what you and do. the first thing that pops up is his interview with Jay Leno. And I find out, oh, the Dave Liebman that played with Miles Davis, Dave Liebman. Um, and that is like me learning how to do stuff. And I spent the next week in his, in some of his, uh, well, we, we, it just goes on and on. We get in the car and there's people in the car and they're famous and it's like, oh my God. <laughs> and here I am trying to figure out, you know, how am I here? You know, how to play an <laughs> altar chord or some stuff like this is bizarre. But I mean, it's a, it's a different way to learn, but I wouldn't give it anything. I mean, I, would give, I wouldn't give it up for anything like Learning on the road like that is a, because you get, you become this, you become this hodgepodge of like, of different musical and technical environments, you know, you become this mixture of stuff. These people. <laughs> you become this mixture of, of, of stuff because it's, 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 it's organic. This is not a planned theoretical safe environment we're going to teach you the proper this is an organic deal you're learning in the moment with people who may be um who are in the prime or after their prime and beginning to break all the rules that they and so it's it was a really interesting way to learn and some of the people i found myself around you know dotto moroni and antonio chiaco of course and uh, it was just incredible that's insane well, we'll get we'll do some more of that yeah, talk here yeah. in a minute. Uh, let's for the people that don't know Justin Eccles, let's go back a little bit. Like, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, where, where'd you grow up, and uh, what were your, what was your life experience thus far before music, and then into uh, starting to play? I I grew up in the in the suburbs here. Um, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for a video of myself at two years old, and I'm gonna. I want to get my hands on it. But my father worked for Governor George Nye here. And so I was born during that campaign. And they had a Christmas special that was on TV at the governor's mansion. And I'm this little black kid with this gigantic afro <laughs> running around the governor's mansion at, at two. And climbing up the stairs and doing all the things that you, babies that you don't want them to do while oh, yeah. on TV. And so I'm looking for that that footage. So if anybody has that footage out there, please get in contact with me. JustinEccles.com, please. <laughs> no, but um, I started off my life that way. I grew up uh, as a black kid 
in the suburbs. Uh, my friends went to private school. My mother was an elementary school teacher in Oklahoma City Public Schools. I went to school with her. Um, I had college-educated parents. Um, I had a storybook, in my opinion, I had a storybook childhood. I had uh, a big street light that came on about 6 o'clock every night. I had, uh, I had, we had snowball fights. We had football games, um, neighborhood football game, massive football game. People would come from all over the whole neighborhood <laughs> to the, to our cul-de-sac to play football. Um, we uh, watched Rambo and Commando in the room editions of my, 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 my buddy Kevin Selden. Um, Kevin's father was a Marine. My father was an Army guy. Uh, I was bound and determined to go to the Army. He was bound and determined to go to the Marines, and we both did. Uh, it was a storybook childhood um, right here in Oklahoma City. That's beautiful. Man. So wait, well, uh, well then what was, your, what was your military experience like? I was, uh, so I, I was at Oklahoma State. You know, college was weird for me because I was, I was uh, when I got to be about 12 years old, I was uh, fascinated with theology and fascinated with my mentor, whose name was Arnelius Crenshaw. Mm. And Arnelius was an, an amazing, charismatic uh, preacher here in Northeast Oklahoma City. And so at around 12 or 13, um, I began to listen and follow uh, him and what he was doing. And, and I'm just now getting to about the age he was when I met him. Hmm. Um, and so I was, uh, I was, I was fascinated with with the whole environment of church and religion. And uh, there was a guy named David Wilson who was a uh, transplant from New York City, um, Flatbush, New York, and uh, he was the chorus director. And uh, because I could sing a little bit, I got invited to be a part of the adult chorus, uh, and. Uh, I got into, I got fascinated with, with ministry. Went to school for ministry and Bible and ministry, studied theology, went to Oklahoma Christian University. And where I still get to work with uh, the, the very elaborate Heath Jones, uh, tenor saxophone extraordinaire and head of that, head of the department. I get to work with him a lot. Uh, so I still get to go work with the college there. Um, but that wasn't really something was missing out of that. And Ended up at Oklahoma State as a transfer, and something was missing there. And I, I picked up a book that I was fascinated with and that I read on law enforcement, and I knew I wanted to help people and impact the lives of human beings. And I knew that I needed something that would keep my interest because I lose interest quickly. And so I needed something that would keep me moving. I didn't need a desk job. I didn't need a cubicle. That wasn't going to work for me. And... Uh, and I just fell in love with police work. I fell in love with the call-to-call -call excitement, the front-row seat to reality. I fell in love with uh, seeing and experiencing uh, all of the things going on in the world that most people don't see and experience. And uh, so I went to the U.S. Army as a military police officer, and that's where nice. I invested my time in the military and, uh, and then finally ended up being... Uh, uh, hired on to Oklahoma City Police Department. So both my military and my uh, career was, was in law enforcement. That's amazing. Uh, 
When you said you're actually getting close to the end of your yeah, police I'm, career. I'm like four, 14 months from the very end of, uh, of my 20 years and, you know, then hopefully able to pursue music on a full-time basis. Um, I, I, I thought very sure, surely that my, my uh, life would be more invested in, in law enforcement until I got in a car accident while activated with Operation Iraqi Freedom and Noble Legal. And then I had this back injury that I'm, I was struggling with, serious one. I mean, I'm, and it's still a struggle. I had an MRI last week. Um, I'm thinking about doing surgery now. I mean, it's, it's still a yeah. problem. I actually really understand that. I've got a, I've had the, uh, I've had a fusion in my neck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I. Were you like C, C? It was C, C5, C6. C5, C6. And then uh, also my low back. I can't remember what they've done or or what injection, where they injected on site, but they, I've done a round of injections in my low back as well. Yeah. All that stuff's just really rough on your body in general. it's, It's incredible, you know, and it, I was limited and. Of course, you know, dealing with uh, issues with medication and uh, trying to learn to control the pain and all of that kind of thing. And so music became my outlet in that time. I was pretty frustrated that in my 20s, here I am physically limited. My mobility is limited as a young 20-something-year-old new cop. um, Yeah, you're supposed to be in the prime. You're supposed to be in the prime. I mean... You're supposed to be the guy they say, hey, go into that house and get him, and you run in there and you get the guy. And here I am hobbling around like I'm 75 years old, uh, yeah. and what it does to you psychologically and everything is, is bizarre. But I was still pretty ambitious, and so uh, I, I, I was listening to music and listening and, and on a daily basis became tinkering on the piano and tinkering became playing, and then it became singing with a big band a volunteer senior big band, a big band of retired seniors who did a nursing home circuit. <laughs> yes. And seeing as I couldn't walk very far without being in pain, I could relate to the yeah. environment that we I was in. We all get along just fine. Well, I get along just fine. <laughs> and I want to sing Nat King Cole anyway, so we, we got something <laughs> in common now. Let's We're do good. it. And so, yeah, it, it uh, I would go sing with them. And, of course, I wouldn't let anybody, any police officer know that I wouldn't be found dead singing Frank Sinatra and and uh, anything like that because I didn't want to be made fun of and ridiculed to. Oh yeah, they're manly men. <laughs> oh right, that's a right, very right. manly man. That's right. It's a masculinity thing, yeah. you know. So I didn't want to. I don't want anybody to know. And then, then I got my first gig at Boulevard Steakhouse. With Pete and Sherry Holloway hired me up there, and I saw Pete recently, and it's just amazing to be able to talk to these people who invested in me then. I went to the bathroom and on their door, it said, we speak Sinatra. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is my spot. I can do this. This is, this is what, I, I speak Sinatra too. So we gonna speak Sinatra together. And he hired me and uh, that was the first gig that I had. And I got the next one out of there. So and that turned into five years. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, let's backtrack just a little. At what age did you really start kind of investing in your voice, like started singing in choirs and all that stuff? I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if it was really investing in it. So it was kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, it was uh, extracurricular. It wasn't really, I didn't really take it seriously like a career. 
Right. It was just um, something you did. It naturally. was just something I did, and I had that, and uh, so I, I didn't. I didn't. You know, when you're from Oklahoma, I, I got to so many environments where it wasn't realistic to be a musician. Yeah, and Oklahoma, from a lot here. of a lot of kids get that. Yeah, so that was that was very much discouraged. So I had been convinced that that was not something that was yeah. going to be a. I was going to be able to do to sustain a living and an income. So. I had already written that off, and so it was at complete extracurricular. I wasn't even thinking about it seriously. Never took it serious. So, but I would sing with a chorus. And it was something I did, just like some people on the debate team, or some people play, you know, baseball, or some people bowl, or some people on the academic team. It was that. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a whole future wrapped up into it, as far as I was concerned. Which is why it ended up becoming law enforcement. Yeah, because I just I didn't see it. Yeah. When it's in a, like, you think law enforcement, you think military. I mean, it's an immediate thing. It's it's respected. It's uh, everybody, right. everybody respects that person. Yeah. That it, is willing to put their life on the line. Yeah. And it, so it's an easy. And, and it came, you know, that came from my, my parents. That came mm-hmm. from my father. And it came from my, my, my childhood um, where we were just, we were fascinated with military movies. Yeah. Remember, during this time, back in the 80s, Hamburger Hill came out, Full Metal Jacket came out, Rambo was out, Commando was out, Action Jackson was out. <laughs> Man, we were watching all this stuff. And then we had this, I'll never forget, one of the best days of my life, Rambo, they released this M16, uh, it was an M16 water gun. Oh, man. And this was back before they had the little orange tips. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing looked like. This is legit. And I know. Because <laughs> later on, I had an M16. This thing looks just like an M16. It's uh, the same size. It's got the plastic. I mean, it's, it's Oh, exact. they grabbed it and just pulled a straight mold oh, off of that. Oh, man. <laughs> We're just- we thought. So we both got. I got one first, I think. <laughs> and then he made his parents go to Toys R Us right down the street. And he got one. We swore we were we were doing war in the suburbs together. Me and him running around barefoot, this little black kid and this little white kid running around the neighborhood with two M16 lookalikes <laughs> playing Rambo, jumping over bushes and stuff. And that grew into him going to the Marines and me going into the Army. And so that military thing, that piece came from our childhood. Yeah. Man. So, uh, and then you said you started that you started doing the nursing home big band stuff. Yeah, man. When, uh, at what age did that start? Was that after oh, your yeah. first your car I'm accident? I'm on the police department at this point. Um, okay. Yeah, the car accident has happened. So about so, your early 20s is when you really started performing and stuff. Well, mid-20s, 26? Late 25, 26? Yeah. I'm listening to music at 25, 26. I'm, I'm kind of starting to turn it into tinkering, 27-ish. Yeah. I'm starting to move closer to there. So about 30, I'm starting to actually do something. Yeah. Feel yeah. that real pull to need yeah. to do it. So I'm 41 now. So that's 11 years ago. It seems like it's 20 years ago because I've been. That's a whole. Yeah. It feels a like a whole, whole lifetime. Yeah. A lot going on since then. But um, yeah, man, it's. That's crazy. It's, it's been bizarre. So you said you were learning like all over the world with these famous musicians. When did that that, uh, what age were you when you when that started that's about, happening? That's about twenty nine, thirty. Oh my when god! When that happens, um, 
How I did that a, first opportunity happen? So I made I made the CD. I made a CD mm-hmm. of just piano and vocal. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, an agent friend of mine, sent that to Wynton Marcellus. Okay. Told him my story. The next day, I got word back from Wynton that I needed to be in New York City in two months. It was like in March that I had to go to New York City. So I go to New York City the first night, and I'm supposed to be there one night, and the guy I'm supposed to meet doesn't show up. I'm like, oh, man, I come all this way. So I go back to my hotel room. I'm down in the dumps. He didn't show up. and So I get up the courage to call him and say, hey, I'm here. And he says, all right, meet me there tonight. So I go, and he shows up. He is the director of programming of Lincoln Center. And he takes me into a rehearsal room at Jazz and Lincoln Center, sits me down the Steinway. I sit down and I play for him, which would have been some of the most basic damn piano playing he had ever heard in his life. But he could hear something. And I played and sang. And he said, sounds good. I want you to go to study with Barry Harris. Uh, he's got a workshop. I want you to come to Rome in three months. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And I want to see you again in New York uh, at my place to study with me in Harlem next month. So, so I go home and I'm like pumped and I start working and I'm running scales and I'm trying to figure out music theory I don't know any of this stuff. I'm trying to figure out what I'm actually playing. I can play a little bit by ear. And uh, next month I go, I catch a cab from the hotel to his place, and we study six hours straight, which for me at that point was like exhausting. Oh, like, yeah, it's an eternity. So he was a Juilliard professor and... Lincoln Center administrator. So studying at his level, him pulling you up for six hours straight is a brain. I mean, it's a what it was what it does to you at that point. You, when you're not groomed in it is. But I mean, it was it was baptism by fire, so to speak, and uh, I was all in. And, you know, I I didn't have I really didn't feel like I had any options. I didn't know that I was going to be able to sustain my position as a law enforcement officer because of the injury. I was having some real challenges physically. I was 100 pounds overweight because of not being able to really get around real well. And uh, so I, 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 uh, that turns into me joining his big band as a vocalist, which allowed me to then study music with some of the best musicians in the world while contributing my voice to what he was doing. Goodness. So now, yeah, so now I'm like, now I'm in New York playing at all the best. I'm at Birdland and I'm playing at, I've got a hotel gig that I'm playing and, and all this stuff under, under him, under his tutelage. And with, you know, so when this all started, I, I watched a Harry Connick Jr. Uh, live concert called The Other Hours. And I saw Harry Connick's big band playing, and I, and I said to myself, if I can't be a cop anymore, 
then I want to do that. And so by the time I got to where I was moving around with Antonio in New York City, I was playing with Connick's people. So he would call him. He'd just pick up the phone. So you understand, an Oklahoma boy, you got to understand that these people are like superheroes to me. Oh, yeah. So he picks up the phone. He says, hey, uh, Neil, you're playing. And he's talking to Neil Kane. Hey, Neil, we'll be playing Satai tonight. Are you available? So Neil's not on tour with Harry at this moment. So we get to the bar, and Harry Connick's bass player is there. Neil, this is the guy I watched with a back injury on my couch right in there and, and, and said, these guys are what I want to be. Blah, blah, blah. This is like five years before I, that, that I'd had that moment. And uh, so now I'm playing with these guys and, um, and still every bit starstruck. And, and probably, probably still will, would be today. today. It just, uh, the level of musicianship is just um, incredible. These, are, these guys do what they do better than most people in the world. And it's, uh, I just have a tremendous, I'm, I'm fortunate to have been around so many people like that. I've been around so many people. Yeah, my brain melted a while ago. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been tremendous, and I'm you know recently you know I'm I'm doing that very same thing right now. Uh, I was fortunate to develop a relationship with a uh, friendship with Kristen Chenoweth, and who I'm playing with. We played a uh, I got to play as a part of her show. I got to do a tune um, in Broken Arrow, the Broken Arrow Performing Arts Center. Uh, with with her, which was incredible, and then and I'm playing um, in May at Century Two Performing Arts in Wichita uh, with her. Uh, I I just am in complete adoration of her gift, and her skills, and her technique, and and her charisma, and her goodness as a human being. Yeah, I am just I'm just blown away by this human. Uh, she, uh, she is. Uh, I can't. I can't describe it. I can't. It's, in, it's indescribable. The combination of her heart and her gift is just the most one of the most powerful things I've seen. When I first opened to her, I, I wasn't open. I opened for her years ago, and I was like, I didn't really know. I wasn't hip to it. I didn't know who she was, and it was me, Steve Tyrell, and her. And I knew Steve because I had opened for him mm-hmm. at the Artesian in Sulphur. They had brought him into town. So I opened for Steve. So I knew, I knew Steve. And I, she walks out on stage. At this point, I was going through this phase where I was tired of opening for people. <laughs> like, I'm tired of being the opening act. So she walks on stage. And the orchestra strikes up. And she lets her voice out. And oh, my God. And I thought, that's why I'm opening for you. And I am, it's my honor. I consider it a complete <laughs> honor and privilege to open for her because I, I like watching her do what she does. And I'm learning so much, again, learning so much from somebody who's a master at what, what it is that they do. And yeah. I've just found myself over and over again in situations where I've been able to learn from some of these great, amazing people like that. Wow. 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 Well, this is a very good day for me. <laughs> Man. So, uh, so what do you, 
what are you doing now? Like, or, I mean, not now, but like, yeah. um, I met you through our mutual friend, Autry here. Right. And, uh, so you're doing, what, what is it you'd like, you like to do? We, we recorded a little medley today yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'd like to kind of, and for the listeners, once you recover from what you're going to be able to hear here in a little bit, um, I'd like for you to tell them about, you know, what you do with your music, mm -hmm. you, your arrangements, mm -hmm. and, I mean, your voices. It's well, gorgeous. I, I love mean, it. Thank you, man. I, 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 I'm doing a couple. It depends on what I work on every day. It depends on what I've got to prepare for, and mm -hmm. i got to make that the priority. Um, so um, I've got two things I'm working on. Um, I'm working pretty aggressively on all of uh, Kristen's material that I can mm -hmm. do and all of the things that are, that would be appropriate for that show. So that if she, if she calls something or needs something, uh, at the spare of the moment that I've got it in my head, I don't, we don't need sheet music. We don't need lyrics. Yeah. It's there. And uh, so I'm working aggressively to polish everything that might be relevant to that performance. Um, so I'm working on a lot of show tunes, a lot of uh, orchestral stuff, a lot of stuff that's a little bit outside of my my uh, my wheelhouse, so to yeah. speak. Um, stuff that I'm enjoying. I'm working. I'm polishing a vocal performance. That's uh, I'm working away from the piano. Also, I'm working uh, just vocalizing um, uh, and not having to accompany myself. And working on entertaining the audience, and uh, and what that is, and and then uh, I'm I'm also looking to tour a little bit with Heath, and uh, what we're doing is vocalese. So it's it's the complete opposite. So vocalese is where you're singing um, improvisations or solos, horn solos most of the time by some legendary. Uh, musicians like Charlie Parker, um, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Coleman Hawkins, uh, some of the legendary horn players. Um, there was a guy named Eddie Jefferson who wrote a lot of lyrics over some of that stuff. So you get these wonderful tunes like Parker's Mood, Moody's Mood for Love, and some wonderful lyrics written over it. And uh, so it's amazing to hear lyrics written to horn solos and how complicated that is. And sometimes it gets to moving pretty good. So uh, that is the technical jazz side of things. A lot of this stuff is bebop stuff. Uh, so yeah. it's it, some of it I'm even having to fix because most Jefferson wasn't, a, Jefferson was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, but um, probably not a theory guy. And so as I'm listening to some of the intonation on some of the the uh, the tunes, um, I'm trying to get the intonation to be as accurate as the actual horn solo was supposed to be. Yeah, and because I know the chord quality, I I know how to change that to get to see if I can in, improve on it. Yeah. So it was pretty detailed work. There's a lot of lyrics. When I first started this stuff, I was in Italy. As a matter of fact, I was. The first day I really started working on it, I was about to go perform with Wynton Marcellus in Italy. And I was in my hotel room, and I've got about 20 pages handwritten vocalese. Because the lyrics, I mean, you, this, the song in particular, 
uh, was all of me. King Pleasure did. And it was six choruses of lyrics six times around. It's in, Yeah, we so, were listening to some of that stuff earlier. I was like, so I was, learning the oh. lyrics. First, you got to learn a solo, mm-hmm. you know. So you got to know you got to know the melody, but you got to then you got to I've only worked for anything through the years, through the tears, through the years. Then I went and opened my eyes. You were my idea in heaven with open arms. So you have to learn both the melody and the lyrics, and then you got to learn the solo. The sax solo comes after the head, so it's a lot of a lot of work to get. That and usually it's moving so fast that it's got to be like reflex. Like you don't have to, you can't be thinking about the words. Oh no, you can't be thinking about this. This is reflexive. Yeah, very different from normal singing where you have a phrase, a break, and a phrase. This is phrase on top of phrase on top of phrase on top of phrase, because the horn player was not thinking about saying words. No, he's just playing lines. I never in my life thought. I, I never did. I listen to Charlie Parker and think to myself that you could write I, words. Yeah, to I want to try and write bizarre. words to this. The amount, the sheer amount of lyrics. And here Jefferson sits in a bar and sits with a napkin and starts writing words and and really nails it. I mean, some of the you hear some of the stuff that he's doing with ornithology and um, and uh, now's the time. And I mean, he's just nailing these solos. Yeah. Just nailing them. Well, just, and the lyrical content is just it. Yeah, nailing it. Yeah. Like it's gr- it's perfect for it. Right, right. I mean, it's just it's it's amazing to hear what he's doing. So I'm working on that so we can present it. It's not a very well known thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working on that to present it both on piano and vocal, which is also and so on top of that, I'm learning the the piano arrangements uh, to the to the tunes. So to so. Ideally, if I needed to, I could play it solo so I could play um, piano while singing the horn solo and the lyrics simultaneously, which is a lot going. Again, it's a lot of brain. Mm-hmm. It's fun, though. It's, it's fun. To, 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 it's a challenging thing to do. Oh, and yeah, to do it I, in yeah. time is <laughs> yeah. and everything, everything. Uh, uh, Everything land where it's supposed to land. It's it's pretty fun, but it's it's challenging. No, I can't. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine trying to stress my brain out that much. Yeah, between all those things. And we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, while I was recording you. Which uh, again, for the listeners, this is you guys know how I record my uh, the artists that I bring on here. It's a one take shot. It's just a, a one time go. No click tracks, no nothing. And so you'll be able to tell this as well. Uh, but I talked about it, your, your pocket, your feel, your left hand, it was just, it was, it blew me away. It was, you were steady as a rock. I'm trying to holding that down, even as you soloed over top of it, which those, the solos that you're going to hear from him are again, just uh, fantastic work. Well, I'm working on that more. You know, I, I haven't gotten to my, I'm like rebuilding what I do, and I haven't gotten to my right hand yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't even gotten to where I'm, because I'm about to take that apart and rebuild it. Um, I'm working, I'm focusing on, on left hand and on the polyrhythmic technique. Mm-hmm. So being able to do hand independence, train and hand independence. And, and, and so um, working a lot with a metronome on that, but I'm still not where, still not quite where I need to be with it. 
a lot of a lot of work is just coming in here and working through tunes that I know really well and working at at, at different BPM and and you know seeing how steady I can be and then going back to a metronome um and and even if you know even if there is as especially as a soloist even if there is a little bit of change of fluidity and tempo um at least being able to keep a groove that people can pat their foot to and feel the pulse. Oh yeah. That pulse in their that strong pulse in their chest and the continuity of that. I tell you, I tell you my, my again, uh, my piano idol is iconic. Um, and he is a master of that. Um, what the guy can do with the piano, the heel of his shoe and his hands um, across the uh, across the instrument as percussion um, is is baffling. Yeah, you talk about being able to hold time, and I mean, it's just like uh, it's just it's amazing to watch. Yeah, I'll still listen. Uh... I'll go end to end on what is that red light blue light? Yeah, man. I'll still That's go. the first one I heard. Yeah. You know that? Oh yeah. I'll roll from end to end on that. The uh, Jill. Jill, you didn't know me when. Yeah. Remember that? You the, didn't know uh, me when. Uh, that sax track on that. The solo on uh, Jill. So just blew. okay. That's so let me tell you about me, So that sax player, his name is Jerry Weldon. Yep. That's what I did. Yeah. Jerry Weldon played. I played with Jerry Weldon. I'll keep this right. Let me say it right, just in case Jerry Hill. <laughs> I got the honor of playing with Jerry Weldon at Lincoln Center. Oh, my God. And I was so nervous. So if there's anybody that is halfway admired by me as or close to admired by me as Harry Connick, who plays the actual instrument I play, Jerry Weldon is the biggest thing in my universe when it comes to horn players. I just... I just, and and I've been able to be around him, and it doesn't get, it doesn't completely get normal. Like, when you, I don't know how to describe it. It's just when you're around somebody that, that, uh, that has called, that has been the person that called you out of, and it's been a parasocial experience for you, like you connect with their art, and you don't know them, and then you're around them, and you're actually knowing them, and you can call them on the phone, uh, or you can send them an email or something like that. It it never it still never gets completely normal. I don't know how it could. Just listening to his just, the timing, yeah, just, the it just subtlety, those subtle subtle little things that I've I've listened to that solo a million times. Just, oh yeah, I know the solo. Yeah, I know just, I, I know how it starts. Uh, I can yeah. I can sing I can the sing solo. It, yeah. <laughs> I tried to, yeah, because I've tried to, I've tried to play it, and it's just, uh, there's no, it's so. Well, it, I don't know why I bother, but like at the same time, it's like you get, you want to try and shadow something see, that's so beautiful with Jerry. Being able to like be around him when he's soloing, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's something else happening. Like this is not just notes. No, there's something not, else. Yeah. Going on when Jerry plays this stuff, man. I'm serious. I mean, you can have a guy play those notes, and it just does not happen with the same kind of spirit, man. I'm telling you, it's something. I've been I've been in the room 
feeling it. And it's a whole the whole atmosphere changes when he starts playing. I'm telling you, it's 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 bizarre. This is a good day. So yeah, so <laughs> so I got to play four shows with Jerry, and uh, I was so nervous. One of the songs I wrote, and I couldn't remember the lyrics to my own songs. So I, <laughs> no. I, I had a music stand in front of me. That's on YouTube, by the way. I had a, had a music stand in front of me to remember that the lyrics to that tune because I was just freaking out because I'm like, oh my god, five years ago, I was sitting on the couch with a broke back, and now Jerry Weldon's right there. And I'm at Lincoln Center at Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola. Wow. How'd this happen? Yeah. It was a it was a it was it was bizarre. It's been crazy. But yeah, Jerry's uh phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal musician. It's I don't know how we got on that, but man, I just uh, yeah. a, brought up red light, blue red light, light after blue, you were talking yeah. about Harry and uh yeah. I think it's blue light, red light. It might, yeah, blue light, red it's light. Blue light, red light. Yeah, because the left side of it's blue in it. Yeah, I've been mispronouncing that album every time I talk. Yeah, about it, I think same difference. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that 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 was the first Conic album. So I heard that album in the eighties, eighty nine, I think is when that thing came. Oh, nineties maybe, eighty nine or ninety had to be when that thing that came out. And then I found that's why I picked that CD up that night that I went to Barnes and Nobles and ended up in here listening to that, watching that concert. It's because I got introduced to it back then. And then I said, you know, if I can't be a cop, I want to do this thing. And yeah. that's where that all came from, man. And it, and it uh, so at that point, I just started digging in, man. Yeah, I remember uh, I, my music director brought it up. It was uh, middle school. Yeah. And he, he played yeah. uh, Blue Light, Red Light. And he played because uh, he was trying to get me interested in playing Barry Sax. Okay. Because right. at first I was I was I fought it because in my world you're either alto or you're tenor, okay. or, you're, and, or right. you know the lesser player plays Barry. Well, where, where were you at school? Uh, this was at uh, oh, not Alcott, Irving Middle School in Norman. Okay. In Norman, and yeah. uh, we started out there, and uh, he played the what is it the last track? I forget the the name of it, but it's that real big fast. Um, that's got to be the one I'm talking about. Dun, 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 in front of the mirror. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah, uh, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dun, 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 love with me or something like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Super, super fast. Yeah. And then the Barry Sachs has his That's big right. moment. That's right. I remember that. Just trails down. And I was like, Oh my god, that dude's moving because your fingers are so much farther spread out on that thing. Okay. To fly around the way that he was, I don't know his name, but uh. Yeah. That one blew me away too, and that was what got me like, okay, I guess I can play Barry. You know, oh, good players yeah, right. can good players can that's, play the Barry sax, and I wound up that wound up actually being my favorite saxophone to play was the Barry. I, I started feeling those low note wow. low notes resonating through my chest, right? And that's just and you can just honk big big notes on that thing. It's fun. Oh my god, uh, man! I'm looking <laughs> the thing up, man. That's Oh, you're good. That was that was a revelation. Listen Just to kiss that. me and forget mm-hmm. about yeah. all that other, other stuff. stuff. Kiss me, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, that whole thing, that whole album was it. Revel- it turned my whole world upside down. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let me tell you about being around Conic. You talk about another. So, Conic is a, an incredible personality. Completely like he's got a whole thing. He's like Kristen too. Like Kristen's like that. Like. 
it's they're they're like their whole aura of charisma and personality is just as amazing as if they couldn't do music, they'd still be pretty dang amazing. See, that's people. What, yeah, when you hear them really, speak, like, I'm just like you're around them, and there's a whole emotion and thing. Yeah, even if yeah, even if they're not playing music, that's crazy. Yeah, and you get that vibe, anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Acting in movies. Yes, right, 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 right. All that stuff. Maybe too. that's what it is. It's the movie star thing. They both. Maybe. They're both actors. Yeah. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. So let's uh, let's cut back to talking about your medley. Okay. Um. Man, what made you gravitate towards these songs? What uh, I mean, your 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 sound on them is amazing. So obviously that they fit you well. But uh, why do you resonate with those so hard? And what, what, what made you choose those today? I mean, so we were doing one tune. So I, I had to, I wanted to pick something that kind of reflected the foundation of what it is that I think I am. And so I picked jazz and blues. Um, and I picked a jazz standard, um, a, a popular one uh, that people would know. And did it my own way. Um, I think... Uh, I think jazz, jazz is romantic to me. It's love, it's intimacy. That's my experience with it. And blues is sadness, and um, it's it's uh, it's the it's the flip side of the coin, you know. It's the it's it's blues is energy, and yet the ops, opposite side of nostalgia, in a way, and yet still. Yeah. Uh, but as music, it's really con- the connective part of blues is is incredible. Um, the tunes were popularized. Uh, one of them is really popular, uh, "Fly Me to the Moon," obviously, uh, by Frank Sinatra, and the other one is uh, Ray Charles, and it's much lesser known uh, Ray Charles tune. Um, so I I think I picked it to try to give the foundation of what I do as an artist, which is probably jazz and blues based, even though I can go into R and B and um and I can I can pick up an electric guitar and we can go to Chris Stapleton and and I'm comfortable there and we can go to Motown and I'm comfortable there and uh but the foundation of everything that I come from is is jazz and blues. Yeah, that's actually what I always I talk to a lot of people about music and a lot of people ask about uh things that to kind of expand themselves and i always i my always my my advice to people is jazz jazz and blues blues if you want to kind of a fast forward to feeling good about your Mm -hmm. playing because Mm -hmm. you can you can jump into blues and Mm -hmm. you can you can do that pentatonic or the blues scale and actually feel some emotion quickly coming out of yourself because you can grab it you you can can. grab onto that but jazz if you really want to if you want to challenge yourself yep. intellectually and yep. to push yourself and to see things that like it gets yeah. as complex as you it, can possibly yeah, get, it, it they can take you every day. Jazz musician, every day you lose. That's the hard thing about it. And I guess it's maybe that be that way for musicians in general, but definitely as a jazz musician, you lose every day. You lose the fight every day. That's what's hard about it. You fail every day. Every day I come in here. And I work on what I'm doing, and I fail. I cannot do something. 
there's something that I know I can, I can taste it, I can see it, I can hear it, and I cannot get it done. Yeah. And in a year, it'll happen. Yeah. It's and a long game. And so that's jazz is, is that. And uh, I think that's what, what I like about it, though, is, is that there's this other chapter, you know. Yeah. There's, this, there's, this, there's a version of me that's going to happen 20 years from now. And so it's curiosity, what, what, what does that sound like? What does the guy 20 years from here sound like after figuring out this massive puzzle that is jazz and music and putting it together and figuring out what I want to say and delving into my own spirit and then finding a way to express it? What is that like 20 years from now? And that's, that's exciting to think about. Yeah. That's an extremely, that's an awesome way to say that. That's an, I mean, so, so it's a life. It's yeah. a whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole thing of uh, not only, <laughs> it's like a, an interview. Where do you see yourself in five years, 10 yeah. years, 20 oh years? God, if I knew, but, I wish I knew. Yeah. I know I want to see myself, but gosh, I mean, it's. But for musicians, especially if you think about it, like what are, if I wake up tomorrow, what am I doing today? Mm-hmm. And then what does that translate to 20 years down the road? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What kind of musician do I want to be? What, what do I want to leave for right. you know, my friends and family and the people that care about me? That's why I've got to do, I've got to do more recording at this point. Yeah, I, always, I felt like I always put off recording because I didn't feel like I was good enough to be recording. You, There's that me, thing. Yeah. and everybody that's I've right. ever met, it's, that's that continual voice that's in your head yeah and it is something that i've i've had to suck it up yeah and because i'm in the same boat i have got a lot of material that i haven't recorded myself that i know i have to and i told myself this is the year that it's going to start or it's never going to start yeah i think we we overemphasize um technical sophistication in music oh yeah and we underemphasize the the value of style we do well you forget the beauty of you yeah right your family sees it every day the people that listen to you they see it and they're like right do you not understand right, right. The, the bright light that you are? Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's because, you know, when you, the critics, man, they'll, they'll get you thinking, you know, that there is a good and bad and there's this is measurable and you're not this and so that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's brutal. But man, you got to capture your, the essence of what you are here for on the, in the universe. Because this is coming to you for a reason, and it's supposed to come out of you, and it's supposed to do a thing to to people when it comes out of you. And if you don't allow that channeling process to happen, you're depriving the world of what it is that you were here for. Yeah. And it could be argued that that is what's wrong with the world. I don't know. It's me being a philosopher, I guess. Well, yeah. You know? You're either here to touch a million people, or you're here to touch one person's right. life that... And you saved them. Yeah, and either way, if you don't do it, we're all hurt by it. Yeah. Yeah. Missing one more little piece of that puzzle. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, uh, man, thank you so much for man. Thank you. It's been great. It's been great to do it. I I need to do more of this. I need to do much more of this. I appreciate you you coming and and being able to play and being able to share my my story. And I tell you, I, I I will finish up by telling you, I. I'm, where I'm at now is, um, in addition to playing, uh, coming up playing with Kristen, um, in 2012, I ended up winning the Jazz Hall of Fame induction, Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame. Oh and I got nominated for an Emmy in 2018. And in January, I won the uh, 
the uh, chamber, the South Oklahoma City Chamber, gave me the Native Son Award. And so I've, I've really had a lot of um, a lot of accolades for a young jazz musician who started late. Yeah. You know, I guess it's uh, to have three awards in town, but I've got a lot of support, and I really am thankful about that. And, and I'd, I'd say that not to brag. I say that to show the journey that in my um, 11, 12 years of performing that I've gone from being an injured, uh, an injured, handicapped Oklahoma City police officer veteran to being, um, you know, a, a jazz musician who's able to tour. And, uh, and, that, and I think that matters for a lot of veterans right now who may listen to this and who may not know what they're supposed to do if they're an amputee or what are they supposed to do if they're, uh, they have uh, limitations, uh, that there are other doors that have opened to you and other options you have to touch society. And not just veterans, but but people in general, that um, the life goes on and you have an opportunity to become something different and evolve yourself um, into something special and to make an impact in a completely different way than you may have ever um, considered. And I think that has value. And that's why I share the whole story, you know, of, of where I came from and where I've come to. That's a beautiful story. Uh this has been a really amazing interview. And I, as far as, I mean, I, I feel that completely uh, as far as I'm a disabled vet. Right. And yeah. music was one of the ways that I can continue on. Yeah. And yeah. not only, you know, make a living, but it's just the next chapter. It was yeah. something that was always with me and I, I was afraid to do it. Yeah. Because I didn't think it was a real option myself, right. which is why I did the military. Right. Uh, but yeah. No, it's amazing. Uh, how do people continue to keep track yeah, of man. you, man? I, I know you have so, JustinEccles.com. Yeah, yeah, please check out JustinEccles.com. Um, uh, I say this all the time, but feel free to send me um, a message. Um, I'm, I'm trying to gain more and more uh, email addresses so that I can send people uh, information on when I'll be out. So I do a lot of marketing on my website, so... Uh, feel free to share with me what you've thought of something you heard or thing like that because we're reading that stuff. Yeah, they can subscri or subscribe to you basically yeah. through, the, uh, through that the, as well, right? right. So um, uh, that's one way. And then, of course, I'm on all social media platforms, um, Instagram at jbad88, uh, Twitter at JustinJazz. Um, I'm on Facebook, Justin Eccles. Uh, I'll pop up and... Uh, so yeah, please follow uh, all the social media stuff and and uh, and the website and the website will connect you to all that stuff too. By the way, oh cool. Yeah. And I know you you got a lot of big stuff coming up or tours yeah. and things like that. Do you hold any uh, local residencies or anything like some stuff like that? I do. Almost. I'm glad you reminded me uh, to talk <laughs> about all of my the stuff that I'm doing here. So one of the one of my blessings has been uh, gaining the residency at Gallardia uh, Country Club uh, here. Gallardia uh, is a pretty awesome neighborhood and pretty awesome community. And uh, I play there each Friday night. And But it's much more than just playing a gig uh, there every Friday. Um, I play a lot of private events, a lot of private parties, and I have really the opportunity to establish really meaningful relationships with residents in the neighborhood. So 
think it's kind of unusual to have a residency at a country club. I don't, I don't know anybody else who's doing that. Um, but man, it's really been great. It's really been great to give a neighborhood uh, a, a high quality performance opportunity that's within the context of their own environment, their own neighborhood. You don't have to leave the neighborhood. You just drive yeah. down the street or walk down the street and, and go to the country club. And, and uh, it's, it's been great. It's been just amazing. And, uh, and I, I just look forward to continuing that as long as they'll let me do it. I'll always make that my home. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, uh, I really enjoyed getting to record and capture what I did today. And uh, I know you guys are going to really, really enjoy this. It's a, it's a much needed reprieve from just the normal style that we usually get on here. Um, and I'm going to continue to try to bring some different genres and some different artists and really expand this thing and show you what Oklahoma truly has to offer. And uh, again, I really appreciate you being hey, on thank here. you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you guys for joining us. And please enjoy this wonderful medley by Justin Eccles. I think I'm ready, man. to the moon let me sail among the stars and let me see what's ringing like on Jupiter and Mars in other words hold my hand in other words darling kiss me feel my heart with song let me sing forevermore you're the one I long for all I worship and adore in other words please be true Ooh, in other words I love you
Let me tell you people About this blackjack game It's caused me nothing but trouble Only myself to blame Hey, 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 yeah How alone can one man be Every quarter I get Black Jane takes it away from me Sat there with two tens Thought I'd have some fun Till I hit 16 with a five Just enough to make 21 Hey, 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 hey. How alone can one man be? A hairy corner I get. Black Jack takes it away from me. Black Jack takes it away from me